Welcome to the DevReady Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Uh, today, we're lucky enough to be joined by Simon Madden. Um, Simon Madden, if uh, you're in Melbourne, you'll know of him. Um, Ex-Essendon footballer, um, the captain, the Essendon footy club back in the day, I recall. Um, Ex-AFL um, Players Association director, currently director of the Essendon footy club as well. But... First and foremost, um, I had a chat to Simon pre-Christmas and we are talking about his consulting business, which is all focused on high-performance culture and how we can get our people to perform better. Um, and thought it'd be a great conversation to talk about with um, people that are building technology because there's a, definitely a business that goes around it. So thank you, Simon, for joining us and um, welcome to DevReady Podcast. Andrew, thank you very much. Uh, very happy to be here. Uh, I knew you uh, had a beard and I've got a holiday beard just to uh, keep up with you. It'll be, probably be gone by after the weekend, but uh, well, yeah. Uh, you've, you've done well, mate. Um... <laughs> Very relaxed in holiday mode. I enjoy it. Good it's to a, see. Good weather in Melbourne. I think it's been pretty nice come January, yeah. so it's worked out all right. People complain about Victorian weather, but they don't spend enough time. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you get a bit of everything. <laughs> Getting a bit of storms coming through, but uh, not too bad. It's all warm. So in terms of um, getting on board, obviously not everyone will know about you, so give us a bit of background about who you are, your past experience and where you are today. Uh, so much just for, for the uninitiated. Uh, uh, you have been in Melbourne all my life. I've tra- you know, did a lot of travel, seen a lot of the world, but have lived in Melbourne. I played. I was originally a teacher by profession. I played... Uh, High-level sport, played AFL football for the team Essendon, uh, was successful, did that for 19 years, started very young, started when I was at school, uh, 16 was my first game, uh, it was very, you can't do that now, it's unbelievable. Can't do that now, no, can you? <laughs> and then I lasted 19 years, so I, I had, was lucky enough to have uh, success, um, I played in a couple of premierships, um, best and fairest, started, you know, I could go down that track, but um, basically my, in my time you had to have a job, uh, as I, towards the finish of my career, it was... Um, a lot harder so uh, to fit a job in football in there it's full-time of course but it was I, I was playing during the development years of full-time in that time also the head of the players association so uh, really started getting involved in uh, workplace as far as sports workplace but all under, understanding conditions and workplace I was a teacher by profession I did that for full-time part-time not at all uh, for 15 years as footy got harder and harder and then I moved out of um uh, out of uh, teaching into business. A friend offered me a job. I was looking to get into business. A friend offered me a job in the IT world. Maybe there's a little co- bit of a connection there. Connection there, yeah. I spent um, 10 years in the IT world and then uh, had other, a couple of other opportunities in media and, and elsewhere. And then eventually after a while, a friend said to me that, uh, oh, you should do this, talking about business coaching and consulting. And I said, why? And he went, da 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 And I thought, yeah, okay, this is interesting. So uh, I've so... Probably the business side is, um, it, I've been in, I've lost count now, I think it's 25 years, so small, medium, large, national, international, my own business over that time. And I think the, what, I, what uh, I say to people is that the combination of I understand education, I understand high performance and I understand business. So I put the three of those together to come up with a consultancy practice that helps uh, people understand high performance. And what I talk about is how to get good and stay good. And I can use a whole lot of examples how people can reach a peak uh, very early and drop off or they can struggle to get to a, that at any stage or learn other people who reach a peak and stay there. And uh, both in sport and business um, and both in life and also in life, in their own in their own personal life. And so I like to talk to people how, you know, basically I say how to get good and stay good. And I work with the individual, the team, the leadership and the culture. 
So there's uh, there's a, a, lot, a short story long. Okay. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So I'm just sharing where you're at. But get good, stay good. I think that's um, something most people are striving for. What's some of the things you've seen that, that the difference between people that get good, stay good, or the ones that sort of ebb and flow between performance? Well, I think I've, well, I've seen this. I think I noticed it in sport first, but I've also known this in business. When somebody, you know, they strive to get good. So they do all the work and do all the hard work to get there. And once they get there, they haven't sort of realigned what their vision is, um, haven't realigned what their goals are. And all of a sudden, they sort of go, oh, what do I do next? How do I sustain this? And then I also see people be successful and get comfortable. And so, um, uh, you know... That's, that's a possibility. I've heard the yeah. story of... Uh, um, it's a comedian, uh, and apparently he was asked to get back to... Um, go back to his uh, old college and speak. And he, he, he really didn't want to, but eventually he happened to be there and they got him there one day. They wanted him to speak. And uh, he simply got up there, looked at the crowd and said, do the work. Probably <laughs> 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 when you're in football, whether in business, um, uh, yes, you, you've got to do the work. And once you get there, you've still got to do the work. And I think in my, my time in sport, I always thought, probably every three years now, but every four or five years, you sort of go up a step. And I've always said to people in sport, and I think it relates to people in business too, uh, what's the little bit extra? What's the little bit extra you do? And the, the sporting analogy I think is very good for business. But um, if you do what everybody else is doing, you'll get what everybody else, what everybody else has got. So for the sports person, I go, now what's that little bit extra? Uh, for me, when I was young, I had to do extra gym work. I was a skinny little thing. I had to do extra um, gym work. Once I got stronger, I had to keep working on the right side of my body. Um, as I got older, I had to keep my, keep my fitness up to, to uh, deal with the younger people. So in business, I say, you know, what is that extra thing you're doing? Um, is, is it your marketing plan? Is it a better marketing plan? Is it uh, a better CRM? Is it a, uh, a better spiel? It is a, you know, better, um, better connection with your clients through uh, lunches and dinners or, or podcasts, et cetera. What, what's the extra thing? Or are you just going along? And because a lot of people, uh, for a lot of people, uh, mediocre, mediocrity is, is comfort. Yes, they can do this and they yes. get along. It's the easy way out. Yeah, and we'll just, just well, do what you know and keep it. Yeah, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I, keep, and I always say to people, look, um, I'll give you an analogy I use a lot of time with people. Say, and say I'm in Melbourne and um, I want to go to Sydney. Now, you can use any, any cities you want, but for me, say Melbourne, I want to go to Sydney. So I get in the car and I don't look at a... Um, um, I don't look at the street directory, I don't look at GPS, I don't look at my phone, don't look at my car's GPS, don't ask any directions, don't look at any signs, and I just go. And I drive and drive and drive and drive. And it takes me a while, but eventually I get at this big sound, a big, a big town, and I go, oh, great, I'm in Sydney. But I can't see the Harbour Bridge, and I can't see the spire, and I, and I can't see the Opera House. So I finally wind down the window, which was in the old days of one of those, but now it's just, you know, wind down the window. I don't know, people, some people understand, what does wind down your window mean, you know? Yeah, I know, that some people don't know. Wind down the window, and I finally speak to somebody and say, excuse me, uh, is this Sydney? And they're like, no, this isn't Sydney. I said, this is Adelaide. And I go, well, I don't want to be in Adelaide, I want to be in Sydney. And he says, well, did you look at the street directory? We go, no. Did you look at the street signs? No. Did you use GPS? No. Did you ask any directions? No. Well, then why would you expect to be anywhere else? The point about that is that's where a lot of people run their life. They go, they just go on and on and on, and there's no bigger plan. And, I know, so, you know, and, and one of the things is, I always said, say you, take, you go to Sydney and you take the coastal ride and you get to, say, um, um, Rimbula or Pambula up there and you sort of go, hang on, I don't want to go to Sydney anymore. Um, I like this, I might stay here. That's fine. 
but you've, you've sort of got there by going somewhere else or planning to go that, in that direction. And sometimes, you know, you might get on the highway to Sydney and there's roadworks and it slows you down or there's a detour. Um, all those things, that's an analogy for what we do in our life. I think for people in business, personal life and sport is that you really have to have a really good goal and a vision of where you want to go. And then you've got to put a plan in place on how to get there. And the old story is that if you get knocked down, you get up again. And, you know, put up your hand if any put, put up your hand if anybody's made, made a mistake. You know, let's just put the hand down straight. Yeah, one, everyone has. One the, <laughs> that's the reality. Yeah, one of the, I'll put up two hands. Yeah, one of the great things about being successful is that you learn how to fail to, in the in the process of learning how to succeed. And a lot of times failure is not, it, it shouldn't be seen as failure, it's a learning process. And Edison, Edison said, I didn't take me a thousand, you know, Edison said, it didn't take me a thousand to, you know, at times to fail to get one light globe, I found a thousand ways not to do a light globe. Michael Jordan says, Michael Jordan says, I failed so many times to be successful. And you've got to have an attitude of improvement, an attitude of, I know where I want to get, and yes, I'll get knocked down, but I've got to get up. Now, I know sometimes people in life get knocked down too many times, and I know the world's not fair, but we can all work on making the world a little bit fairer, and we all can work on helping somebody get to where they want to go. And I think that's, you know, I, I really enjoy my job is helping people improve and getting where they want to go. Yeah, no, the, thanks for sharing some of those sort of stories. I think it sort of beds home how to understand that. But doing a little bit extra, I find is intriguing because we get can get comfortable in how we operate in life, in business, and just consistent in that but that's not going to move us forward that's only going to keep us where we are if not send us backwards if things are evolving and changing around us and we've all been exposed to all the changes that have been happening over the past few years we can all see that um, everything changes pretty quickly and in the space of technology that we're in everything's just changing every minute that's what it feels like at the moment so you have to consistently do extra things otherwise you're miles behind so i find that intriguing yeah, I, mean, um, I think you know you talk you talk about your your audience being a tech Technology audience, and I was I worked as a salesperson, but I worked in technology industry for um, ten years. I think ten years, I think it was um, at, uh, over that time. But I think one of the things, you know, through the COVID era, I've really found just you know the concept of more podcasts and more more conversations and meetings uh, via you know via these uh, you know via these mediums. But I think people are realising that there is a place for it, but what's the right balance? You know, people are going to work. Are we, are we going to work in the office four days a week or three days a week or the whole time or not at all? Um, yes, we can. Yes, we can have a meeting like this, but every now and then we need to get together. So one of the concepts is, you know, it's like just a simple thing for the, the any organisation out there, you know, that what's a bit extra is how well are you utilising your technology in the right way to get your people connected, but at the same time get them to feel safe the same time get them to do the work you want them to do and the work they want to do. So, you know, that's that for business and I wave my hands around a lot. Um, you know, what is what is the thing that you need to do in your business to make sure because the idea is, you know, remember your best resource is your people. Look after you know, really look after people and then and uh, you know give them and it's not just about um, you know like pay them well. I mean a lot of the things coming out of uh, COVID here is that people want more uh, more than money. They won't be able. They want flexibility. They won't be able to use technology to, to as you know, as a medium. They want to be able to um, look really good up top and wear the pajama pants. <laughs> Whatever they want. So you've really. And I always talk about in the modern era, and it's coming out of COVID. But I talked about this for COVID beforehand. Is care, 
uh, care in the workplace. And a lot of people think it's rubbing the back and go, oh, you'll be okay. But care is C-A-R-E, consideration, affirmation, respect and empathy. When you make a decision, you consider the effect it's going to have all the people it does have an effect on. So that could be your workers, it could be your clients, it could be your peers. Uh, affirmation sometimes in any, again, in sport or in any business, sometimes just an acknowledgement of someone doing well and affirmation, well done, well done, that was good work. Well, gee, you worked hard or you put in a great effort. He's a real motivator for him. R is respect. If you're not giving the respect due to people within the workplace, you're going to get your business in trouble anyway. And the big important one I think is stronger than ever within COVID is empathy. Understanding what people have been going through, understanding that they might want to work from home two or three days a week because that cuts out um, six times 45 minutes commute for them. It makes a big difference and everyone's learnt that yeah. um, so, and so, there is a way to operate <laughs> remotely and still be productive. Yeah, and, so and, that's the thing. and remember, and remember, and in some jobs you still have to do this, but historically work is a place you went. Now work is actually something you do. It doesn't have to be in the same place all the time. It's yeah, a big know, change. Like the teacher, like even the teacher has to, uh, has to be in the classroom, have to be somewhere, has also been at home. In this yeah, I know everyone's the whole dynamic has changed. But a lot of people can do their work. I mean, we've seen. I know people who've bought. You know, I know somebody's bought a house. Sorry, rented a house in the Blue Mountains because they want to try and live there. I know somebody's bought a house in Queensland from Melbourne, uh, and you know, people are working remotely. I said, we're you know, I'm in my uh, beach house or holiday, not quite near the beach, holiday house uh, in Morning Peninsula, and we can still do this. I could do it at home. I mean, I've, I've been working from home for. 14, 13 years, 12 years. I, I see well-practiced. You're one of those. <laughs> yeah, you made the change before. Yeah, a, little thing, a little thing for people working from home is that you actually have two ways of working from home. You actually have a place, an office with a desk, and you put work clothes on, and that's in the office. Or you go and sit on the couch and work in your pyjamas. That's working at home. So even at home, you can actually split it into really formal and informal. And, and so that makes sure that people don't feel they're all, you know, always on. I'm always on can actually even um, work that way as well. Yeah, we told everyone when, they, when we started with the lockdowns, it's when you're working, just treat that bit like work and then leave that room like, don't go into it for the rest of the day when you're not working. Yeah, we'll right. Keep it separate. And, it, and, and people said, I haven't got an office. Well, we know there's a table or, you know, even I know people at this end of the kitchen table is the office and that end of the kitchen table is not. So there's a, designated, there's a designated space. People, when you get up, you put your work clothes on. So you actually think, yes, I'm in work. And then when you get to 5.30 or 5, you go and put your trackies back on. Whatever, you know, whatever it is, you've got to really delineate your time so it doesn't... And this is one of the things, you know, you think about who people are spending... And I know people who spend 45 minutes in the morning commuting, 45 minutes commuting afterwards, have had to get kids to school. What if they didn't have that two or three days a week? And think about they could still have an extra hour of productivity that day at work and have an extra hour at home. Yeah, it's a big difference for them, personally. I'm not advocating to do that every day because I think for culture, culture needs to be built on people getting together occasionally. Uh, But I understand that you could really um, balance that within a workplace so that, yes, we get together and understand our culture. And there's, you know, one of the things with meetings is that online is you can't have the, you can't have as, constructive side conversations at the same time as a main conversation because people cut each other out. Yeah, that doesn't work. That's one thing that's the one thing I miss because you can have those little 
chats on the side about certain sort of topic, but you, you can't do it. Um, it's not easy to do online. Yeah, yeah. We're, getting, we're getting better at that. And I, and I know, like, I think I know, say, for a board meeting with the and Footy Club, I'm, I'm, I'm in, on a board of a charity called um, Regain Life Focus. And to have a live board meeting, you can get there early and have a bit of a chat and catch up with people. And then when it's finished, you can actually hang around. So now, hang on, that point, you know, Bill talked about that point that wasn't clear. Now, you can do that online, but it's much harder to organise. You know, people go, hang on, they're having a little side conversation. What does that mean? You're in the natural flow of the world. That's just taken for granted that people do that. So, again, it's, it's, it's really thinking on how you can get that balance uh, in the modern world. Yeah, but I think... Um... A lot of people have gone 100% virtual. Our business is now 100% virtual pretty much. Um, and I still find that you still need that, a bit of the face-to-face. Or you need to really sort of break away your approach to how you block time out with team and get really strategic around how you're balancing that because... I think, um, yeah, I, like, I think one of the things coming out of um, uh, you know COVID is or in and out of the different COVID is I've had a chance. So what I have enjoyed is real people in in real life in real time and i think we still you know people still need that and i know depending on which expert you, you speak to or, or read um you know being uh, on being online is mu- is much more productive and then being online and being online is not but in some industry being online is not that productive because people are burning out because of it and so um and, and the lockdowns haven't helped at all so in a normal world where you could go out and go for a walk in the morning and come back and then be online i think there's as i said there is a balance but it's, it's um, and you know, you talk about it's it's probably harder. We haven't had enough experience in having deep conversations online. Where um, and what what I know, again, one of the things about playing high level sport and being successful is you get to a point where you can have really hard conversations, and they're not personal; they're taken as professional. And people, you know, you can actually talk about someone's performance, about improving it, and it not being up to scratch. But it's taken in a professional manner, not in a personal manner. And I think they're a little bit harder to have online. That's, uh, you know, you have to have to eyeball people in the room when, when that happens. But um, I've been part of that in, in high-level sport and I've been part of that in the workplace as well. And when you get it, when you get a caring, when you are actually getting a caring culture, and uh, I talk about that, I have a, a little, um, uh, a pres- it's a presentation that I do about the 12 commandments of organisational success. And one of those is care, uh, but there's a whole lot of other things. But um, you're being able to get a caring um, and committed uh, uh, workforce uh, is really good, and that's when you can have those conversations. But if it's a us against them mentality from the workers to the boss, or I'm being motivated individually and not as collectively, and and I'm, I've been in sales forces where you have a individual, you know, a motivation, you know, financial. Um, incentive, and then you also have a group one, and they can be connected or disconnected. And I've seen how um, uh, just doing the money can actually split people, and and, and internal com- and internal um, internal competition can be good, but it has to understand what it's for and why why it's there. But just you know, oh he he did this and got that money, and she did that and got money, and I did the same, and I didn't get any. What are you doing all of a sudden? You're splitting what the workplace is doing. The culture. Yeah, it's an interesting balance there, isn't it? Yeah, that one's a challenge when they're fighting for money out of the same bucket, yeah. rather than trying to work together. They're competing in silos. Yeah, and, mm. and, and sometimes, you know, sometimes it's not the workers' fault; it's the leaders' fault. And remember, I've said before, and there's a big difference. Both both roles are really important: leadership and management. Right? They're both important. 
but they are different skills. And the best way to explain to people, I say management gets your ducks in a row and keeps your ducks in a row. Leadership takes your ducks from there. And, good lead, and, and one of the things that I've heard before, and I, I remember, if I remember the original, I can't remember the author, I'll have to go back and look, but good leaders take people where they want to go. Great leaders take people where they don't want to go, but where they should be. <laughs> and the management makes sense. Is keeping in water while they do that. So there is the skills are very important, but they're, they're two sets. Of, and, and one of the problems we do with um, people, culture, and leadership is that we pick somebody who's very good operationally, and then we promote them into a, uh, a position of leadership, which is different skills. We, very different skills. Operation, and I've seen yeah. this same uh, sales first. I've seen it in a operations group where you take the best salesperson, make them sales manager. Oh, you lose a good salesperson. You haven't given them the leadership training. They don't um, don't understand what it is, and the whole thing falls apart. And you don't know why. And in the end, under pressure, the, the leader goes, "Well, sell like I did," because you know, that was the and That's what works, yeah. There's some processes that are the same, but everybody's got their own personality size. So that's where you do need for people to understand what leadership entails and the skills involved in it. And uh, I've done that. I've done presentations to organisations about. And funny enough, I try as again. It's the try. Uh, it's not commandments this time, but it's it's, it's the twelve um, parts of organ, twelve parts of good leadership, and what you need to do in a modern world. And again, it's about uh, a really big part of that is understanding the people, really understanding. Them. And then, and I look, and I think one I, really interesting. You know, I'm in, I'm in the. Uh, well, I, I normally, you know, people say, "How old are you?" I can do that little trick and say, "Look, I'm closer to 50." Uh, so I'm closer to 60 than I am to 50, which is I'm 64, but I'm still telling the truth. I'm closer to 60. It's <laughs> about oh, 56 or seven or something. Sorry. Mm -hmm. but, are you closer to 30 than you are 22? You do it any way you like, you know. <laughs> I, um, um, and what have I got? Oh yeah, because I'm you know I'm I'm in the I'm on the dark side of 60. And people sort of say, oh, the kids these days have young people. They don't understand. And I said, look, I've seen this again with young people in sport. But I've seen this in the workplace. If I say to somebody, do this, and they go, why? And I say, because I say so. I know I was brought up when I was a young person. Um, they'll say, either directly or indirectly, I won't, because I say so. And you're on an even ground. But if you say to somebody, do this, and they go, why? And you go, well, for you, this. For me, this. The organisation, this, and the greater good and they get it, they'll do better at it. But they won't do it blindly. And blame people like me and my wife and our friends because we've educated our kids who are now adults. And young people, yes. like, listen, educated, but what am, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. if, you can't, mm -hmm. if you you can't directly link the what the direction and the outcome to you know to what they're doing, well, why am I doing this? Am I, you know, am, I brick, am I building a brick wall that you're going to knock over? Am I going to dig a hole that you're just going to fill? Am I digging another hole? What, you know, what's, what's the outcome of this? What's, what's, the old what's in it for me, but more so what's the good value of this for me along the way and at the end? And what about, you know, the organisation? What about the greater good? Because there's a lot of people now motivated by the, the greater good of the world within their workplace. So I'm not saying one of the, just the greater good. Things that yeah. I, mm, so yeah, how, how, yeah, how do you explain that? But, oh, it, I've found that in our business where most of our people are, what under 40 yeah that's where they sort of sit um so they're all about why they ask a lot of questions um and as look as being a leader in the space you have to really dig in and answer those questions sometimes you get frustrated by it but you have to stop and say yes they need to understand why because why are they going to do it um, and why are they going to get involved and actually 
add value to it. So I get that totally. And I don't think can build that into the culture. Mm. Understanding that when we're doing things, yes, we explain it. Now you might not get the explanation now. At some time you'll understand. You know, sometimes you're under pressure, and every now and then the buck has to stop something. So you know, if there's if if the fire alarm goes off, we're going to get the building. Why? We can find out why later. Is it a fire? Is yes. it a Just get out. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. it goes off. So now we'll find. So yes, but you've got to make sure they understand within the culture there is an explanation of what we're doing. Yeah, there's a time to find out and question and query and there's a, like you said time to listen and just do it and then being able to ask questions at any time is very important yeah, and there's also there's two you know you have two ears and one mouth and use them in that proportion is and people say to me you don't like i'm sorry occasion i do <laughs> i do a lot of talking but you do when you learn with your educating people and and working with people um you know i, I say to people look i haven't got any answers I've got a lot of questions that you have to answer and you have to think about and you have to deal with. And I, and I really think that's important that leaders ask questions. You know, why are, we doing, why are you doing this? How's it going? What's happening? The other thing too is about people with questions, especially in the workplace. You know, the old stories don't come in with a problem, comes in with a solution or at least an idea about how we can fix it, you know. And, that, and what you want, and, and one of the great, you know, important things in the modern workforce is people who can think laterally and critically and, and look at the problem and say, yeah, I can work, we can work through this collaboratively, collaboratively working together on a problem, but not just, oh, there's something wrong. You need to fix it. You know, we, we're educating people now about how as a group we can, you know, get... Solve problems collectively because as a group, it's much, you get much better answers than you do in your own head quickly at a spur of a hat. So, yeah, I think... If you can proactively solve problems, that's that can make a big difference too. If you're continuously doing that as a group, and the other thing too, a lot of time again about high performance is it's not always about the outcome, because um, and I give you it's, there's been experience with this too, but it's about effort. If you say that there's there's was an experiment where they got a group of people and they did a test and they said um, two groups, so they split the group and said um, one group, uh, oh your your outcome. Uh, you, you know, is no good because you're not smart enough. Then they did a bit of training and said, would you like to have another attempt? And a lot of them said no. For another group, they said, look, your outcome wasn't good, but we don't think your effort was good enough. Can you put in more effort? When they asked them again, have a go, they said yes. So Interesting. Yeah, something about the motivation, until you put in a really good effort, when you say to people, we know you're trying hard, you're really trying hard, keep at it, can be more motivational than actually the outcome itself. One of the things, one of the things, I don't say the word hate, I dislike, but even a little thing, like you're going to, especially in the, um, you know, cafes or restaurants or, or the services, when you say, don't know, and somebody says, oh, too easy. I feel like, well, hang on, well, I put a bit more effort in, please. Make it <laughs> and now it's different. To, oh, you've done, no, I can easily do that for you, for me. Oh, but that's too easy. I said, geez, put in a bit more effort, please. <laughs> Make it harder for yourself. I, you know, even that concept, oh, yeah, that's just, people aren't saying that it's not what you do, it's what you do for me. So if you say it's easy, you say, I can, oh, that's easy. To do. I, can, I can make, yeah, I can do it easily for you. It's a big difference in oh, it's too easy. Just little little ways of, of looking at the issue differently and help and making sure the person who is being involved is, um, I suppose, uh, you know, linked to it, uh, sees important in it, uh, feels valued in it. Remember, a workforce, people, uh, the, the, um, again, the coffee industry, 
Um, people want to be valued for who they are, not just what they do. And so a lot of people, a lot of places are finding it hard to get work because over time they've never been valued who they are. They've just been valued for clocking on and clocking off what they do. So you have to value people who they are. And when they feel valued for who they are, as well as what they do, uh, they will actually work, be very good workers, they'll be productive workers for them. And funny, you'll be more productive, you'll get more clients, you'll be more successful, and funny, your bottom line increases too. So if somebody wants to be motivated by the money, still same, look after your people. Get them productive, get them feeling that they're doing a good job. And then the results will... Then you have to deal with giving them pay increases, but isn't that good if you've got enough money that you can? That's a, that's a good problem to have, isn't it? <laughs> when there's not enough money to pay them, that's a, another yeah. issue. <laughs> yeah, so that's a good problem. I find it fascinating. There's obviously psychology behind leadership and people and everyone's different. How does that sort of come into the space of your thinking? Because not everyone's the same. Not everyone's oh, going to no, act the same. You don't expect people to be the same, but what you've got to do is is going to understand, again, that empathy. If you understand that, now, I know, again, in sport, you've got to be careful in the workplace. I know in sport, historically, where the coach could shout at one player and that would motivate him to do better, and he would, and shout at another player next to him and that he would be introverted and go into his shell and not perform at all. So understanding, understanding that on what actually motivates them. But in the, in the modern workplace, you don't need to bully people, but they really need to understand how they... They don't really need to understand how they fit in and how they value and, and, and a little bit of motivation every now and then, mate. You're doing a really good job, keep up. It's really good. And I, look, I know you put, you know, and also, I know you, I know you put a lot of work into this. Go home early Friday. I want you to leave at four o'clock. Now I know you've been working after hours for for two weeks. Why don't you just go, and, you know, or even the little. I know workplaces, and again, it's it's all different. Workplaces. It's about showing a bit of appreciation, yeah. So they're being valued. The efforts are appreciated and valued. Yeah, here's, here's, a, here's a vouch for dinner for two at the restaurant around the corner, or you know, something, little things like that, which you could give the people the money. Now, think about this. You know, I always said, think about this as, an, and I like stories and analogies. If you got your friends, if you got your friends to help you move house, so you got ten friends, they work two days to move house and you offer them $200 each, they would be insulted. <laughs> Probably. Wouldn't, but, <laughs> but if you said at the end of the two days, oh, let's put on a barbecue, here's, food, food, here's, here's a feed, here's some drinks, thanks very much, really appreciate your help. They feel appreciated. Probably wouldn't cost you $200 a head anyway. Probably a lot less than that. And they think it's fantastic. And guess what? Next time you move, they'll help again. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, find that... Not like a money thing is not always a good motivation because it comes and goes pretty quickly. Um, as and if if you look at stats, I don't know the exact data, but most people, a majority, are more um, impacted by experience and other things. It's not just financial. Of course, um, of course well, important. Ask somebody yeah. who hasn't got it. Yeah, there's an importance to it. Yes. After a while, after a while, <laughs> yeah. and, and there are people who yeah. got it. There are people who just motivated yeah. by money. I mean, they're yeah. wrong, they're wrong. Me, that's what they do. Mm -hmm. Correct. And, um, so it's uh, and money is not the root of all evil. The actual quote is the love of money is the root of all evil, which is different emphasis. Slight um, difference, yeah. <laughs> difference so, so money is important, but again, it's I mean, you know, you know terrible thing to say in some ways. Like you could, you could be a hitman and you get good money, but I don't really want to do that job. You know, <laughs> doesn't fit your values, right? <laughs> so you, you know, people if um, if yeah, if yeah, if you, you can get people to do job by. You know, oh no, that's not enough. That's not enough. Oh, oh, hang on there. That's that's enough. I might do the job now. But most of the people want to deal with money is fairness. But 
they're getting a fair pay for what they're getting. Uh, and when I, when I was players association president, we negotiated the first standard playing contract because it was about fairness, that uh, good players were getting uh, lots of money and the lower players weren't, and they would just be changed over. And so now that now every contract that a player signs is based on that standard playing contract. Which again is about it's not about money, but it is about money, but it's about it's about terms and conditions as well. And you know, one of the things with are you for unions or against unions? In the perfect world, you wouldn't need a union because the company would actually look after you well. But in a lot of a lot of in a lot of areas, doesn't always happen though, does it? That's the reality. Right, you need a union or you need an association. You need a representative for the workers because the people are exploited, and that's shown around the world all the time. So in a really good working, you know, and I know people who pay above ward. So for example, I know organisers that pay above ward rates for people to show that they actually are valued. So there is a money bit to it, but usually you find a lot of those organisations too, um, the people are valued because of some of the perks they get. And you know, like I, I can remember being, I remember early on being in an organisation where you bought your own coffee. Now, you, you know, you reckon in the workplace, you might actually <laughs> Coffee. Like a coffee machine. <laughs> You'd think so, yeah. Coffee. Then it's tea, and if it's not tea, then it's milk. But, but yes, we understand that. And also, it's productivity. But you can go and you get a cup of tea and come and sit down rather than wandering out the shop and getting one and coming back and taking four times as long. So there's, you know, this yeah, balance by flights. Mm. Well, there's plenty in that. Um, and people would think about when you're juggling that and understanding people, I think, is one of the, the major things. So having empathy, digging in, understanding your people, what actually motivates them is highly important because I know we're just in our team, there's people that are very, they're complete, the polar opposites through the team and everyone is motivated very differently and everyone's behaviours to the business and why they're going to do things is very different. Some people ask questions, some people won't. So I've got to ask them questions, <laughs> let alone. So, yeah, it's very, everyone's different. Hmm. And, and, and all that's fine, but you, you've, you've got to be able to, and look, you know, you've got to be able to have, uh, give people individual time. And that's what I've said about, um, you know, it's probably probably easier, or easier to demarcate virtually, but I think an open door policy is wrong. You know, 24 hour a day, seven days a week, open door policy, you can't do because if, you, if somebody wants to have a private conversation in that office, then that door should be shut. And yep. so the boss or the manager has to do some work, that door might need to be closed so he won't be interrupted. An open door policy is, when it's open, please come in. And when it's not open, I'm not, don't, you know, there's another person who's, you know, who needs important conversation or I've got some important work to do. And, th- and there's no problems with that at all. People understand that. But it's, it's, um, it's handling expectations too. I always remember when my children played um, played basketball, right? It was really interesting to watch parents and kids and coaches and basketball teams. And there are, um, and there are basketball teams that... Um, I can remember seeing basketball teams that are uh, the elite, that we just pick the best players in the, in the best and the highest groups, and you can aspire to that. And if you get there, great. And if you don't, bad luck. Now, some people really appreciate that, really want to go down that. Other basketball teams will say, look, we're here for the kids to have a really good time. Yeah, winning's important, but it's not important. So we will share the best players across all the teams and then we'll make sure we rotate people through. Neither is a problem if people understand what that team is doing. Because if you get an aspirational kid parent in a team that's going to make it nice and even, they'll get so frustrated. Right? They'll get so it's a fair point. Yeah, it's managing expectations, like you said. Yeah, yeah. and then if, if, you, if you get a let's have fun 
kid and the parent and culture, but with the coach who's, I'm just going to put the best kids on and, and kids are sitting on the sideline and not getting they're going to be upset too. So it doesn't matter because if, you know, the parents say, well, if this is a really aspirational one and my kid's not going to get caught to them, well, then I'll go somewhere else. That's fine. But you have to be really clear with what the expectations are. And I'm always big on making sure people understand what the expectations are. Um, what, and, you know, there's the um, non-negotiables, that's the term people talk, which I find is a funny word because everything in the world is negoti negotiable. But, um, you know, you know what, in other words, what's the bottom line? What are the things? And I always, I always talk about the concept of bullying. And bullying um, shouldn't happen in the workplace, full stop. But it does. But I see, I see organisations work on their culture and they say, for example, no bullying, you know, sit, sticks on the wall. That's our culture, no bullying. But if you walk down the corridor and see someone getting bullied and go like this and not notice it, that's your culture. Yeah, it's a complete opposite of what's on the wall, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, having that there doesn't mean anything unless it's followed and valued. Everything you do in the workplace, everything you do, adds to, continues, or detracts from the culture you want. So if you say, we, haven't, we don't have a bullying culture, but yet it happens, then that's the culture you've got, the, thing, the real things that happen. So leaders have, got, leaders have got to really be working consistently on what that culture is. And this is what I talk about getting good and staying good, is consistent, not just... Oh, let's you know, let's do the review, tick all the boxes, beauty. Let's do that again next year. Or you know, or, or let's you know, let's have a chat with a month. Let's have a chat with a month every month, once for two months. Yeah, that's done. Tick the boxes. You've got to be aware to be able to make sure that you are constantly looking at keeping your culture at the high level that you want it to be. And if someone is doing the wrong thing, then you sit them down and say, look, hang on. Do you understand that your your behaviour? Now remember, it's not the person. Is really good with kids. Um, they're no bad kids, unless you get, I mean, really bad. There's a very small, you know, psychopaths that are born, very, very small. But the kids aren't bad. The behaviour's bad. So parents should say, you're a naughty kid. That's right. You're a bad kid. That's really bad that bad motivation. It's that, not great language, is it? <laughs> yeah, behaviour yeah. is not right. That's the wrong yes. behaviour. We don't have that behaviour. So it's not the person that's wrong. The behaviour's at wrong. And then the behaviour can be changed. And that's in that's in a school. That's in workplace. That behaviour, you know, if, if someone's been sexually harassed or someone's been bullied, or there seems that that's going to go down the line, you're able to, able to say that behaviour is the wrong behaviour in this workplace. We will not tolerate that. So that's that's not the that's it is sort of non-negotiable, but it's the bottom line, so to speak. But it also takes the personal aspect of out of it too, because it's the behaviour. It's not. It's the action. It's not the. And at the other thing, but also it's by picking out what the good behaviour is. Hmm. I've got. A, I've got yes. our, we've got our first grandchild, and it's really interesting to see our daughter. Congratulations. Look at another one on the way. So I've just showed. Yeah, nice. Two for one. Two coming quickly. <laughs> it's really interesting to watch the daughter really work on, and even say to me, "Dad, done. You know, done." Um, don't acknowledge his bad behaviour. We're going to acknowledge his good behaviour or bad behaviour. Now, that's you know, if the, if the kids are going to go stick their hand in the fire, you can't necessarily. It's not going to work, is it? Just ignore it. But yeah. the, the concept of yes, if, what's the behaviour we want? How do we promote that? How do we encourage that? And then uh, at the same level, how do we stop behaviour that we don't want? And that's that's a really ongoing process. You continually monitor that and continue with it. And also, I mean, bottom line too, for the people who are motivated by money, um, risk analysis of your business. And if someone gets, if someone's getting, 
If you haven't got a cult, if you've got a culture where people get bullied, that'll cost you a lot of money in the end. That'll cost you a court case. So, you know, in the end, of course money's important. You've got to make sure you understand where it fits into the big picture with the other thing. Yeah. Yeah, people first and then that's what's on. Again, if you get it right, and it's just, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's something you have to continue working. And what's that little bit extra you're doing? It's just doing what everybody else does. A great question there. What's that uh, extra you're doing? And I think, um, yeah, like I, like I said at the beginning, it's yeah. Yeah, we can get stuck in the, the monotonous work and just continuously doing the same thing over and over again. And that, and so, and that also goes, that also goes for personal life. A lot of time when I do um, individual executive coaching, it's, it's, it's um, business personal coaching. Because a lot of people, it's very hard to talk about your work and your business without including your personal life. It's a bit of a mould and mixed together. It's all one, isn't it? <laughs> and I always, say, I always say to everybody, you know, you are your best resource. So are you looking after your best resource? Because if, if you're not looking after you, how are you going to do your job right? How are you going to look after your family? How are you going to look after, you know, how are you going to enjoy life properly? So you are your best, you know, you are your best um, resource. Make sure you look after it. And again, in fitness, um, what's that little bit extra you're doing? Now, you know, I can't tell you what it is. I mean, mate, sometimes you can. You can, you know, in a professional sport, you now analyse, you, you measure and you analyse and say, well, you're not strong enough, you know, or you're, um, you, you know, your running style needs to improve. We, we need to increase your quick, you know, your quickness off the mark. We're going to look at your running style. Uh, we know you're not strong enough, um, so you're going to do, you know, and we need you. Um, in the ruck when I played, you need great, you need uh, big, uh, bigger laps, laps, so you need to be able to push off people. So you need to do specific exercises for that. So where other people might not be doing that, or you know, you you might have to do um, you might have to increase your endurance training because you're really good off the mark, but you're not you're not um, it's not consistent over time. In the workplace, you can do that too. You can actually, and then at home, you know, you go and have a. There's a whole lot of research that say people work themselves. You know, and if you're doing half, and I forget, I forget. Forget actually the, when I read it last, the amount of hours, and I know it's definitely over 60, but it can even be over 50 and 45. If you're just say we're around, say you're doing more than 55, you're doing more than 55, sorry, yeah, 55, 50, sorry, 45. You're doing more than 45 hours of work a week. You are no more productive. I, th I think that studies I've heard it before. I think it's fifty-five, or is it? Yeah, yeah. 55. I think it's fifty-five. As soon as you go over that mark, you're done. You basically, yeah, there's there's no more productivity. Yeah, work into more hours. Yeah, correct. Challenge to say, might be less than fifty-five. Yeah, that's it. I think it's a fifty mark somewhere around there. But I think the whole the whole piece of that is, if we commit ourselves to saying we're going to work seventy hours a week. We just we cram as like we do as much as we can in that seventy hours a week, and you might find that um, you might not put as much pressure on yourself to get things done quick enough. If you only got forty hours and that's what you've got, and you don't go over that, you'll find a way, and you have to find a way to be smarter and be more efficient oh, and right. delegate better and different ways and manage better. So there's a lot in that too, from that perspective. Yeah, yeah. And, and there are there have been countries and cities and places and companies who've worked on um, doing forty hours over four days. Yeah, I've seen that, and it's good data from that. Yeah, actually, twelve hour days. Yeah, thirty-five hours. So they're doing three-day weekends, um, and then so in some places the jury's still out, but in some places it's showing that there's no less productivity for that company. 
Yeah, it's interesting. And what's the happy? Yeah, the happy mark is if I'm only working four days a week, I'm probably living a happier lifestyle, more balanced. Than, yeah. Yeah. I always wanted to be, but that's the thing, you know, at a workplace, what are you looking at to say, how can I, if you want them to be more productive, forget the whip, you know, forget the whip and forget the carrot because, you know, you know, put the carrot. But you've got to think yeah. about parts of that. How do I push them? You know, how do I motivate them to push them? And I remember, um, uh, oh, I'm just trying to think who told me. Uh, it was a really good one. It was, uh, uh, um, I've gone blank, doesn't matter. Um, about, you know, about leadership is, leadership's about um, sometimes you've got to hug them, sometimes you've got to push them. Right? And, and, and what's the right level of each? And, you know, with a footy team, you've got to, you got to keep pushing them to see, but every now and then you've got to hug them to say, that's right. Now, you know, in the workplace, that's another There's a balance there, right? So I think some of the, 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 some stats on that is like, if you're doing really, uh, not doing really well as a business and an organization, it's probably better to be hugging and be more um, with your team to build them up. And then if you're doing really well, sometimes you have to be a bit more pushy apparently, uh, because if you get too soft, then everyone just drops and you get that ebb and flow in the business. So you've got to manage that all the time. It's never perfect though. But it's, yeah. but so part of that too is how you handle people. So um, if I tell you to do something and you don't do it, you can go, oh, but, um, uh, uh, but if I spend a little bit more time and you agree to do something, so we talk about that and you agree to do it, and I'll give you the analogy, again, a sports analogy, it's just so we, um, Andrew, we're gonna, so Andrew, we're going to work on your kicking, right? Your team works fantastic. That's um, a perfect pick for me. I was never a great kick, so yeah. Your <laughs> team works fantastic. Your handball, if your fitness is up, it's all great, but we need to work on your kicking. So let's have a conversation. So what you've agreed to do, Andrew, what you've agreed to do is we'll do... Um, We'll do 10 minutes extra one-on-one -on -one kicking training after every session. Okay, you've agreed to that, right? And then uh, we'll actually videotape you and videotape, well, I shouldn't say that. There's no videotape anymore for people. We'll, we'll get, <laughs> get the phone out. <laughs> record. We'll get vision of you yeah. and, and analyse it and get vision of somebody who's a really good, good um, kick and see if we can work on any uh, biomechanics that might, might be able to improve. Mm -hmm. And then we'll get someone like, so for me, I'll say Matthew Lloyd, who was an SM player, great kick. We'll come in, get down in, and spend some time with you and discuss with him. Now, you've just done two things. You've put a process of improvement in place, but also you've done your due diligence. So if somebody does those three things and improves, fantastic. If they do those three things and don't improve, at the end of the year, you can say, well, we're dropping off the list because you haven't improved. Or if you don't do those things, you say, well, mate, we've got to let you go because at no stage did you turn up to your training. You didn't. You didn't. Um, you, video, you didn't take the video. Take a look at it, and you, and you never went to the meeting with Matthew Lloyd. So you're doing two things at once. But the idea behind it is you're putting a process in place for their improvement, and then if they agree it, then they, along the way, if they don't, you go, hang on, hang on, Andrew, you won't you didn't do the kicking after training last night. Yeah, but hang on, you agreed to that, didn't you, Andrew? Yeah. Well, yeah, and if you can have a conversation and they hear it and they understand it, right? Who's, respons who's mm. responsible for that, Andrew? Mm -hmm. Here I am, Andrew. I am, yes. <laughs> My job is to be responsible to keep you responsible for what you have to do. That's what the leader's job is. That makes sense? Yeah, it does. It makes plenty of sense. And plenty for people to think about in their context of how they're managing people and managing performance because there's a lot in that. Simon, 
it's on two o'clock and I think it's been an awesome session just to talk about your experience and some of the stories and journey and the journey you've been on and um, there's plenty in this for people to take away I'm, I'm sure that they'll get a lot of value out of this if they go through it maybe listen to it once or twice because there's a lot of gold in this um, some good questions that people can be answering so I really appreciate you coming on and um, just sharing and I'd, I'd love to get you on at another time again because there's plenty that you can share obviously from your experience and the plethora of experience that you have so I really appreciate it and um Let you get back to your holiday, mate. (laughs) Thank you. No worries, mate. Anybody's interested, you know, put in the plugs. Timeman.com.au. Yes. I was about to ask that question, but yeah, if anyone's we'll we'll share all those links out when we post the episode. I do a bit of I do a bit of you know emceeing and doing interviewing, and I always say with some of the um, with the Essendonians, which is part of the Essen Footy Club. I always say to any player, come up, never miss an opportunity to promote something that needs to be promoted, whether yes. it's charity, your business, or whatever. Yeah. So there you go. Signman.com.au. Did I say? You, you did, mate. No, thank you, Simon. We'll share it all out, mate. Anyway, and we we'll really appreciate you coming on. We'll... Good on you, Andrew. Uh, Anthony, good on you. Enjoy the uh, enjoy 2022, and hopefully yeah. we might not be locked up again. And we might. Yes, hopefully to... not. <laughs> hopefully not, and yeah. hopefully we'll see each other again. Yeah, good on you. Thank thanks, you, Simon. Thanks. Guys,